0: He pūrangi irirangi o Aotearoa.
1: Kia ora and welcome to Elemental, an RNZ podcast exploring all the chemical elements alphabetically. I'm Alan Blackman from the Auckland University of Technology.
0: And I'm Alison Valance. And this podcast is certainly taking us to some of the hidden corners of the periodic table as well as the more usual
1: tourist hotspots. And that's certainly the case for today's element lanthanum from the Greek lanthanine to be hidden, which is kind of interesting because our last episode on krypton, the Greek word kryptos meant hidden. So there seems to be a few Greek words that mean hidden. (laughs) Hmm,
0: Well, lanthanum might help me spell my last name using chemical symbols, that's one of the L-A for balance, but this doesn't mean I know anything about it, (laughs) so can I have some of the finer details please, Ellen?
1: Okay, vital stats, elemental symbol L-A, atomic number 57, and that puts it down amongst the lanthanoids, although we shall see about that. So lanthanum's the 28th most abundant element in the Earth's crust, that makes it, you know, reasonably abundant. Certainly almost three times as abundant as lead, but I guarantee that a lot fewer people have heard of lanthanum than they have lead. Certainly the case for me. Now, I
0: gather it's a bit (laughs) of a lost element because you chemists can't decide where it belongs on the periodic table. Obviously, at number 57, it sits between 56 and 58. So it's got barium and cerium as neighbours, both of which incidentally and coincidentally, have chemical symbols that appear in my last name. So I do seem to like that bit of the periodic (laughs) table. But other than that, can you explain poor Lanthanum's quandary?
1: Yeah, well, this has been going on for many years, in fact. So I mentioned that it was a lanthanoid. Well, certainly the, the lanthanoids are, in fact, named after lanthanum, But the question then becomes, is lanthanum actually the first of the lanthanoids or not? And the answer to that question is uh, people still don't know, which seems rather remarkable in this day and age. But a little bit of history to explain this. So it was found in 1839. So it's been 180 years, in fact, this year since it was found. But still, we don't know where exactly to put it on the periodic table. So there's two possibilities. Uh, The first is that it's a lanthanoid element. And if that's the case, then it should sit with all the lanthanoid elements below the main body of the periodic table. Or the other possibility is that it's a member of the group three elements. So that puts it in the same group as scandium and yttrium. And that would then make it a transition metal. So (laughs) finer minds than mine have failed to answer this question over many years. And the problem here comes because lanthanoid elements are characterised by the fact that they contain F electrons. And lanthanum, in fact, doesn't have any F electrons, and in fact, metallic lanthanum contains a single D electron. That being the case, for my money, that puts it fairly and squarely in Group 3, making it a transition metal. But just out of interest, have a look around the periodic tables on the internet And have a look at element 57 and see where those periodic tables put it. I guarantee it'll probably be about 50-50. Half of them will be in group 3 and half of them will be in with the lanthanoids.
0: If it's so hard to place on the periodic table, I'm wondering, was it also hard to find in the
1: first place? Uh, Yes, it was, and that makes it actually behave like a typical lanthanoid because of the many lanthanoids that we've discussed so far, (laughs) listeners would know that generally they took a little bit of finding, and lanthanum's no different. So it came eventually from a sample of impure cerium oxide, cerium being another lanthanoid that we've already covered, and that took a period of around about 12 years to uh, obtain lanthanum from this impure sample of cerium oxide. So it does resemble uh, the other lanthanoids in its reactivity towards air and water. Like all of those, uh, it is very reactive to both of those. But really, quite unusually, it also reacts directly with such elements as carbon, nitrogen, phosphorus and sulfur. That gives it some quite unusual reactivity, in fact. Is that useful, that reactivity? What do we actually use lanthanum for? Well, there's one major use, um, and that's about it, and then a few minor ones. It occurs in a thing called mischmetal. Excuse my German pronunciation there. That's German for mixed metal. So it's present in that along with cerium and neodymium, and that's used in lighter flints. So that sort of uh, spark that you get when you flick a lighter. I had no um, idea
0: lighter flints were so complicated.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's just a very rapid oxidation reaction. That's, that's all it is. Other uses. So there's a compound by the name of LANI5. So it's a compound of lanthanum and nickel. We're all into the hydrogen economy. We need some way to be able to store hydrogen. Uh, this is a quite remarkable material that can actually absorb up to 400 times its own volume of hydrogen And then release it. It's a reversible process. So that's a rather remarkable compound that which may be useful in coming years, if and when we all move to hydrogen. But most importantly, its major use is in the anode of nickel metal hydride batteries. And where would you find those? We find those in hybrid cars. In fact, we need quite large quantities of lanthanum for the production of just one hybrid car. So a typical Toyota Prius requires around about 10 to 15 kilograms of lanthanum. So that is by far and away its major use.
0: That's a lot of lanthanum. It is,
1: yeah. (laughs) I hope they
0: can recycle that. (laughs) Now, interesting
1: fact, please. Yeah, I think this is kind of cool, but we'll see what you think about it, Alison. Lanthanum ions really, really, really like phosphate ions. And so this can be put to very, very good use in reducing algal blooms. So what we find is that you can take lanthanum ions... And you can substitute them for sodium ions and calcium ions in a natural clay that's called bentonite. And then once you've made that substitution, you can then take that natural clay and it will then trap phosphate thanks to the presence of the lanthanum ions. And if you can trap the phosphate, then you're going to stop the formation of algal blooms because they are generally formed by phosphate runoff from fertilized farmland into waterways. It's
0: quite a souped-up use for what's often used in kitty litter, I have to say. (laughs) Anyway, there you have it, the obscure case of the lost lanthanum, possibly coming to some eutrophic river or lake near you. (laughs) And I'm sorry, but I really can't help but think it would be easier to turn the phosphate off in the first place rather than have to use a rare earth element to mop it up. But hey, anyway, (laughs) this has been episode 42 of RNZ's Elemental Podcast. You can find us at rnz.co.nz chemistry and we're on your favourite podcast app.
1: Thanks for your company. We're back next time with lead. But until then, it's cheerio from me, Alan Blackman. And me, Alison Ballads. Paul marie. <laughs>